This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 39 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to our show from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week exploring the world of sports psychology, your mindset, your attitude, how you focus, how to do a sportsmanship. What do winning and losing really mean? What's, how can sports be fun? We get into these topics every week and take your calls and get into discussions for the next hour. Our shows are live here in Kansas City on Sunday mornings and are rebroadcast throughout the country during the following week. And our shows are also podcasted, which you can listen to on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple iTunes, all over the place. So, you know, these shows are, it's one of the only live sports psychology shows in the country. And I try to talk about topics that I think are worthy of discussion. And, <clears throat> and, and based on what's happened here in the past week, the World Series is over. Baseball survived. And I thought it would not. I talked with a bunch of my friends early on, and I thought it was going to make it about through two or three weeks with the virus. But to MLB's credit, they survived it. They made it through. I've talked to a number of players and coaches who said it was a struggle at times, but they were glad they were able to get through it. As, as was I, as are most of us, because let's face it, I, 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 I hate to say something like this, but we really do need sports. We need sports as entertainment. We need sports personally to have activity, to exercise, to, to go out and work out and do things. But in light of everything going on, with the pandemic and the hostility in the country and the, the violence and the angst. Sports has provided us with so much. And it was great to watch the World Series course here in Kansas City. We have a football team that's pretty good to watch too. And that's been exciting to see them play again. It's it's disappointing to not Go out to the stadium. I've gone to Chiefs games, as I've mentioned this show, since the first game they ever played. And my son and I chose not to go out this year because of the virus, just for our own protection. I'm going to be 66, and I can now say next month, because December is next month. So from a safety perspective, I'm just trying to keep my distance in social situations, as, as it's suggested. And I think that's probably the right thing to do for me. However, sports is out there. Professional sports is going on. College sports is going on. High school sports are going on, and it's great to see. But we've got an issue. COVID-19, the coronavirus. All right, so this past week in the World Series in Game 6, where I was glad to see personally the Dodgers win as I was born in Brooklyn, so I guess I have that affinity still. Um, the Dodgers win in a very interesting game, by the way. Taking Blake Snell out, I was wondering, you know, analytics said to take Blake Snell out. 
psychologically, it made no sense to me. The guy was dealing. He'd given up one hit until that inning, gives up a leadoff single, then they take him out. I'm sitting there thinking, this guy is on fire, but analytics said take him out, then boom, the game unraveled and the Dodgers win. But in the eighth inning, all of a sudden, Justin Turner, the star of the Dodgers, their heart, heartbeat of the team, is not in the field. The announcers don't know where he is, what happened to him. We find out later he's been diagnosed with COVID-19 in the eighth inning, which I find extremely odd. Why did they disclose in the eighth inning to him? He's played the whole game with it. So something's messed up with that testing protocol, in my opinion, because if you're going to test and do that, you should let them know before a game. And having been the sports psychologist in the past for the Royals, I know how baseball works. Players don't get there an hour before the game. They're there for five, six hours. They're working out. They're doing things. So he was around his teammates all day. And then they tell him in the eighth inning he's positive. Something was wrong with that. And then they win. Now, here's a guy who's from the L.A. area. He's played with the team for a number of years. They get to the World Series finally and win it. And it's like, and I was thinking, gosh, what a bummer. He can't be out there. Well, then all of a sudden, there he is. He's out there without a mask on. So I'm asking myself, this isn't right. This is messed up. Something's not right here. How can he be out there diagnosed with COVID-19 with his teammates without a mask? And then I'm thinking, as I always do, well, what if this was a collegiate game or a high school game? How would that be handled? What's the best way to do it? So I thought, you know, I want to get someone on the show today who knows about this. So I gave a call to my good friend, Neil Erickson. He's the family practice physician in Kansas City Medical Care. He founded a company called Elite Physicals. It gives physicals to people over town. And most importantly for this show, He's the team physician for Sporting KC, our MLS team in Kansas City. It's very successful. Neil, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, Dr. Jacobs. I'm good. Thanks for being with me. I want to ask you, okay, so this whole scenario, obviously you're not with the baseball team. You're with a professional soccer team. You've been with them for years. You and I have worked together pertaining to that. And so let's talk about this. How, what's the protocol for testing athletes? How is it done in the MLS? Because you guys, I know there have been, it's been publicly acknowledged that, that there have been some, some positive tests. Okay, so how is the protocol done with them? So the league has us test our uh, athletes and staff multiple times throughout the week. It's roughly every other day. It obviously depends on if there's any positive cases, uh, so that changes the protocol. But on average, on asymptomatics, we check approximately every other day with what's called a PCR which is the deep nasal swab that is by far the most sensitive test. There are other tests you can use, the more rapid test, but unfortunately they're not as sensitive. So the league has been using this PCR test on the players on a very regular basis. And if we've had identified cases, they're immediately quarantined uh, and um, isolated and in close contacts are checked on a daily basis. And I just... uh found out that the sporting Minnesota game tonight was canceled because Minnesota, or t- excuse me, tomorrow, because they've uh, found some positive cases with the Minnesota team. That's correct. This, the game for tonight was canceled. So and they had one case in the middle of the week and then a second case on Saturday, and they, the league decided that there was a, a risk to 
um, multiple cases popping up in the next day or two, as we understand the, the condition will spread. You know, it takes a couple of days after exposure until your test may turn positive. And well, it's difficult with the I'm sorry, interrupt. It's difficult with these athletes is, as in your example of the baseball player, a lot of them are asymptomatic. They don't know they're infected. So it's not like there's people out there running around denying their symptoms. They just don't know. And that makes it very challenging. So let me ask you, Neil, because because this, you know, it's it's appropriate that you're on this morning being that the sporting games canceled because the Minnesota team has some positive cases. So let's go back to the situation with the Dodgers. And I know you're not not team physician with with the baseball team, but he gets tested at some point and, and found out he's positive in the eighth inning. Isn't that isn't that an odd way of doing that? Shouldn't he have found out before the game started? I agree. I'm not part of the protocol, so I don't know exactly their plan, but it puts them in a very difficult situation to have a test that's pending. I know in my practice with businesses and other individuals, we tell them, you do not go to work while you have a pending test, because then if it becomes positive, you've exposed people unknowingly. So again, I'm not involved with their protocol, but it didn't put them in a very good situation because then they had to pull them in the game. In my opinion, the the test should have all been completed before the game. They should not have had any pending test um, at that time. There may have been a, you know, a mildly positive. So they ran it again. Sometimes we run tests multiple times, but I think that was unfortunately, uh, in retrospect, a bad decision to have him play with a test pending. Yes, I I agree. We got to go to our first break here, but I want to continue this conversation with you and get into some details, especially how it pertains to high school kids. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest this morning. Dr. Neil Erickson, Sporting KC's doctor. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist... With 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. 
Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. Olivia, from Washington. Laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger, from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna from Louisiana. The storm just hit, and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB. My topic today is dealing with COVID-19. If you're an athlete, if you're a coach, and joining me is a man who knows a little bit about that. He's the team physician for Sporting KC, Dr. Neil Erickson. And so, Neil, we were talking before our break there about the scenario with the Dodgers and Justin Turner. And so high school kids, you know, let's face it, a lot of people listen to this show are high school uh, parents and athletes, college athletes and parents, coaches. So if you're a coach of a high school or college team, what's the right protocol to go about with the testing and finding someone who's positive? And how do you, what's, what's the way to deal with your team on that? Because there's, we're, we're hearing a lot of conflicting messages. We hear that some teams find somebody positive, they cancel everything, they, they stop, the, like several high school football teams have stopped their season. Some have just quarantined a couple of people. What, what do you feel is the right way to do all this? Well, um, first of all, I'm not an expert in this field. And guess what? Nobody is. We haven't done this before. And so obviously the people who are the leaders in these areas are doing the best they can. And we're, these things are evolving as they go. And so I think people have to be patient and understand that everybody's trying to come up with a protocol, but there was no protocol established. If I can interrupt you real quick, I want to thank you for saying that, that no one is an expert in this because no one is. And it's, you know, there's some people 
that get offended by that. But I appreciate you being straightforward about that because, yeah, we're learning as we go with this. Right. What we know now is different than what we knew three months ago. Um, and the other thing that's interesting is the testing's not perfect. And, you know, we've had false positives in my practice and in MLS soccer. Tests that say the, the person is positive, and when you repeat it, they're not. So it, it makes it very difficult to, to come up with a plan. And testing is extremely expensive. It, so it's, you know, the league's going to spend probably several million dollars testing players. That's not a practical program to do for high school athletes. And so that makes it much more difficult to identify those. So we go back to the basic um, healthcare principles of isolation as best you can when you're symptomatic, good hand washing, social distancing. Unfortunately, some of those things aren't possible or practical. And I understand why teams would say we've got a positive, we, we have to shut down. If you, if you think about the way that the virus spreads, it's, you're contagious for several days before you even know that you're sick. And many of the young people are asymptomatic, don't know they're sick, or their symptoms may be so mild that they disregard them as allergies, or I just slept with a fan last night and I have a dry throat. So you have people that can have no symptoms at all, spreading the virus, feeling totally fine. Uh, and it, so it makes it difficult. So the people who are having to make decisions, I understand, they want to err on the side of caution. The last thing they want is for an outbreak to occur where you go from one player to four to 20 and then you have a significant problem in the community. Obviously, the virus is everywhere, and I tell my patients, you just assume everybody has it in every interaction, and that's the only way you can protect yourself. So it's difficult for the schools to complete a season. I don't realistically know how it's possible that any team can finish an entire season without getting a case. Then the decision has to be made, what are we going to do when that happens? And like with this baseball team, I don't think they were prepared to, with the decision what's going to happen if we get a player positive during the game. And so those scenarios they weren't ready for, and they didn't have a plan in place, and the players didn't have an expectation of what they were supposed to do if that came down. Well, here's the, here's the big thing for me with that. It's the World Series. It's not like an exhibition game. It's not a game in the middle of the year. It was the It's game six of the World Series. I mean, you're talking about, you know, the end of the, the, the championship. So I agree with you. I, they shouldn't have had a test pending. That was a mistake. They should have either planned it where the tests were done in advance or not done the test. Um, and so that's what, that's what put everybody at risk is just having this unknown information out there, which made it so difficult. So let me ask this question, Neil. So Justin Turner is heart and soul of the Dodgers, one of the players who's, who's a core, their, their core group. He's from L.A. He, he's, he's become a, a big part of their organization, their, their team. They've, been, they've lost several times in the playoffs of World Series. They get here. They finally win it. And he's been taken out of the game. Now he's back on the field when they're celebrating. Now, I'm sitting there thinking, I felt terrible for him when I found this out. I'm like, my God. Here, you know, how awful would it have been if George Brett gets tested? You know, I'm thinking back in 85 when I was... When I, was with well, I was with the team a little bit later, but I'm, I know George from working with the team later. But what if George Brett had tested positive and they went can't go back out there? I mean, I was thinking, what would that be like? That's sort of the same thing. And then there he is. Then he, not only is he out there, he's not wearing a mask, and he's sitting next in the team photo. The manager Dave Roberts, who's a, a lymphoma survivor. So I'm sitting there thinking, okay, what's going to happen from this? Well, he he's been blasted all over the internet. 
for for not caring about his teammates. Um, how do you react to that? I mean, what should have been done? I mean, what, from a team physician standpoint, you've obviously gotten a, an opinion being supporting KC's doctor. What right. what would be the right way to handle that? Well, he should not have been allowed to leave the quarantine. Unfortunately, it is sad. It's unfortunate that all these things came up, and at the last second, they got pulled away from him. But the relative safety and health of the other individuals is more important. And so I do believe they should have made a, a stronger effort, if possible, to, to eliminate him, or at the minimum, keep his mask on. Now, again, as you said earlier, he was around all those people all day already. He's already exposed everybody. So the relative risk of that moment in time compared to what he'd already exposed him to is pretty minimal. So if you're looking at it from that perspective, his he probably didn't endanger anybody any more than he already had. Exactly. I'm sure exactly. he wasn't thinking of that at that moment in time, however. And so the league, unfortunately, put themselves in that situation where now they have the information and now they didn't deal with it the way it should have been. So, so that's what the difficult problem Yeah, so essentially looking at it, baseball screwed up is, 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 would be yeah, my interpretation. And I would like- say so. They didn't have a plan in place for what to do if a test came back positive during the game. And that wasn't probably explained to the players, if this happens, this is what we're going to do. And so that was the error, is having a test pending they couldn't deal with. But again, scientifically, as you said, he exposed everybody for six to eight hours. He was around them all day. I'm sure he was yelling and talking and screaming. So they were all exposed. Yeah, and that, 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 that was going through my mind on that. And, and so what I'd like to do in our next segment, after we go to our next break here, I'd like to open up our phone lines. And if you're a parent, if, if you're a coach or an athlete, you've got questions about this, uh, give us a call. Dr. Neil Erickson supporting KC's doctor. He's not, he's not an epidemiologist. He's a family practice physician. But as the team physician for a professional team, he understands this. And I think what he's saying makes a lot of sense. It, you know, Justin Turner has been blasted over the Internet for being selfish. And like we're saying, I, I don't think you can blame Justin Turner because, like we said, he'd been around all these players the whole day. So if they were exposed, they'd already been exposed. But I'd like to hear from you. If you're a parent, you're a coach, you're an athlete, you've got questions about this, what's the right way to handle it from your perspective? Because this virus is going to be here for a while until a vaccine comes around. And it'll probably still be around for a long time after that as well. And we all have to deal with it in our lives, personally, professionally, athletically. And if you're on a sports team, you've got concerns. Sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, my guest today, is Dr. O'Neill Erickson, Sporting Casey's doctor. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. 
One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week talking about the mental aspect of sports. And today's topic is the issue of COVID-19 and sports and athletes. And joining me is Dr. Neil Erickson. He's a family practice physician at Kansas City Family Medical Care, founder of Elite Physicals, and pertaining to our show, team physician for Sporting KC of the MLS. And Interestingly enough, as we're talking, we found out that Sporting's game tonight against Minnesota was canceled because Minnesota had some positive tests. So, obviously, Neil, that's the right thing to do. But do you think there are some players, some teams out there that are testing not in the MLS, but 
at lower levels, high school, college, they're, they're not going to admit they've got it. They don't want to tell anyone, and they'll go play anyway. I mean, do you, do you think that's probably going on? I would doubt that's the case, because if you do have a positive test, the um, health department is notified, and they will contact families. So it would be fairly inappropriate if somebody had a positive test and, and continued to play. Now, there may be people who aren't getting tested who have no symptoms or minimal symptoms and continue to play. So that's the greater risk is that people unknowingly spreading the virus because at that level, you don't have access to testing. It's not, it, there are testing sites available, but it's not like with the professional teams where they come to them and test them multiple times a week. Uh, so it would be very difficult for the entire you know, high school team from the local school to get tested on such a regular basis. So my guess is what's happening is people who are being tested are already significantly symptomatic, and that's why they're going to get a test. What's, okay, as a high school or college athlete, um, you know, we, we hear that if you're younger um, you're, and you catch the virus you're, and you're healthy, you, your chances of recovering are much greater than if you're older with, with serious health issues. But, you know, there are obviously younger athletes who get this who do get really sick. What, what would be the best protocol for a high school team to go about from your perspective if you're a, you're a high school athlete? First of all, you're a parent. You've got kids. Would you want your kids playing sports now? And, and are they? I mean, are you comfortable with that? Um, yeah, I have one uh, middle school aged child who did play a club sport in the fall. And it made me nervous, to be honest, but we did it. Um, you're right, the relative risk of young people um, dying from the virus is extremely low. Um, there are some other long-term effects we don't really know. Again, as I said earlier in the show, this is new. Nobody knows exactly what this means in the long term, but it seems like even then the relative risk of some of those long-term consequences are very, very small. Um, so, yes, I did make the personal decision to let my child play a sport, an outdoor sport, uh, I'm nervous about indoor sports, to be honest. Um, he's eager to play basketball. I'm not sure that's going to happen, and I understand why the schools are are um, they're trying to get to go. But my suspicion is there won't be indoor sports this winter. I think I see the cases increasing in frequency, and if if the protocol is that if we have a positive, we cancel the season. I just don't see how that's going to play out. That anybody's going to be able to finish the season, which is sad and unfortunate for the kids. Um, and is this whole thing has just been awful. Uh, nobody knows how to plan for it, uh, and it's just been a very difficult outcome for the kids, and I feel sad for the kids more than anything. We're hearing of, of several high school football teams here in the Kansas City area that canceled their season here the past week as they're getting close to actually towards for playoffs because of positive tests or, or fear of positive tests. So as we are going into the winter and sports move indoors, um, like you're saying, I personally have been asking the question to myself. I mean, the NBA handled this extremely well, the way they, they you know, put everyone in a bubble. Well, that's not possible at any other level. And you still had players who left. You know, there was the, the one player from the Clippers who left to go to claim to go to a funeral, then stopped at a strip club to claim to get some lunch on the way back. And then he didn't test positive, but they had to put him in quarantine also because he lied about it. But, you know, those were rare scenarios that happened. But the NBA was able to control that. High school kids can't, you know, they're not going to be able to control that. College kids can't control that. I mean, we have Trevor Lawrence, you know, who will potentially be the number one draft pick in the NFL from Clemson, the quarterback who, 
had a big movement out about letting everyone go back to play. And then, boom, he just tests positive this past week. So he missed yesterday's game. Is going to miss their big game against Notre Dame next week. So as a parent, and, you, and you're a physician, you deal with, you're the team physician for a professional team. You yourself can get nervous about this. So what would you suggest to parents when their kids come to them and say, I want to play basketball, you know, as we're getting into the winter sports, I want to, you know, play on, on, on the high school team or the club team because sports is going on. What's your suggestion to them about how to handle that? I think probably the most important thing is to set expectations, which interestingly comes back to our beginning with Mr. Turner, the expectation of what are you going to do if you test positive. So I think as a parent, you have to tell your children, I know that you want to play and we want to give you the best opportunity to play, but you have to understand this may not happen. And if it happens, how are you going to handle that? What will you do? What is your response going to be? So preparing them for the worst case scenario. Uh, I think that, as much as anything, will help. And understand that, yes, we, we will try. We may not finish the season, but we're going to give it our best effort. But at the end of the day, the health of our friends and families and grandparents is the most important. And sports are important, but not the most important. So we're having to make those decisions. Like anything as a parent, just setting the expectation, letting them know what you think is going to happen, and giving them the best opportunity to be successful. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest today is Dr. Neil Erickson, Sporting KC's team physician, and we're talking about COVID-19. If you have a question about playing sports, the safety of it, whether your child should play or not, if you're a coach, how do you feel about it? And and, and regarding coaches, Neil, all right, let's face it, every coach wants to go out. They, they want to get out there and coach their team, but coaches are older. Their their health is obvious. Everybody's health is important, but as a coach, you know, being an older person, a lot of times you've got high school coaches, 40s, 50s, 60s. Um, what do you suggest to them if, you know, they're asked to coach the basketball team, but they may be concerned about their own health? I mean, what do you suggest to a coach on that? Because it's their livelihood, it's their job. They get paid for that. It's It's part of what they do. But at the same time, you've got to sit there and look at yourself. And this is where the whole psychological component of all this comes in. Right. As that's an individual decision, obviously, what is your relative concern for risk and can you reduce that exposure? What we're learning with the virus is it's certainly way more contagious airborne than it is on contact. Um, and at the beginning, we didn't know that. So we were wiping every single surface and not touching anything. I think there's still some value in that, but we should also focus significantly on airborne exposure. And Wearing masks are important, and I'm sure people have seen some masks are actually bad. They make things worse, where some masks are helpful. Um, and interestingly, at the hospital, we all wear eyewear, protective eyewear, because the virus can get into the body through the eyes. And so we're not doing that in, in sports. I'm not advocating that every kid has to wear a mask and goggles when they play basketball, but understanding that that is a way for the virus to get into your system, and so are you truly protecting yourself completely? As a coach, I just have to decide, can I reduce my risk enough to make it safe? And am I going to endanger myself or family or the other kids for that matter? Um, and you're right, the, the data show that the people who do poorly are the elderly, and the hospitals have by far more elderly people in them with COVID than younger people. But there are some other consequences we're learning about with long-term effects, such as brain fog, the occasional cardiomyopathy or myocarditis, 
um, just some excessive fatigue. So there's some things that we're finding out in young people who have, who continue to have symptoms down the road. Again, a small percentage. We just don't know um, how to identify those in advance and how to prevent those. So, as you said, we're still learning about this. We're going to be learning about it for a long time, obviously, and, and the long-term effects, how it affects us down the road once there is a vaccine, and, of course, how people react to that. But as a parent, before we go to our break here, your suggestion would be that it needs to become a, a personal family decision. You sit down and talk with your athlete about it, discuss the pros and cons, and then decide what to do. Exactly, and understand that, that even though we really want it to happen for the whole season, it may not and it's out of our control, and to just do our best to, to participate and do, follow the rules and do the right things to reduce that risk of infecting anybody else. Joining me today is Dr. Neil Erickson. He's the Sporting KC doctor. Love to hear from you if you have a question. We're talking about COVID and about sports. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. 
That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by End Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB. My guest today is Sporting KC's team physician, Dr. Neil Erickson. And Neil, you also have a family practice. You do a lot of things. You also do testing. So if people would want to get tested here in the Kansas City area, how can they, how can they get a hold of you to do that? So I have a, my company, Elite Physicals, who normally does corporate executive physicals, but in light of the pandemic, we've put a hold on that. We've switched to doing COVID testing for individuals, and really we're reaching out to individuals who are either asymptomatic or minimally symptomatic but want to get testing to help them understand what better ways they can do to quarantine and reduce risk. We do it in a drive-through situation at St. Joseph Medical Center at 435 State Line, uh, and it's at Building C. You can do it between 4 and 6 p.m. on Monday through Thursday. And we have um, testing that's done through the PCR modality, and we generally have results in 48 hours. Oftentimes we have them as soon as 24 hours. And we, I put this together mostly because my patients just needed a place to get tests where they weren't having significant symptoms, didn't need to be in the hospital, and couldn't find a place to get a test. And so we uh, made this available um, to the community for people who want to get information so they can make a, an appropriate, educated decision. And once again, the hours for that are, are what? 4 p.m. to 6 p.m., Monday through Thursday at St. Joseph Medical Center on Building C. And so there's a drive-through a location right there. Okay, well, thanks for sharing that because I know, sure. yeah, I, I, I uh, last uh, Monday flew out to Los Angeles to see my mother. I haven't seen her in a year. She's in assisted living. They're very, very careful with that, but... Uh, I was looking around to get tested, and I tried to through a pharmacy, but they said you have no mm-hmm. symptoms, so therefore you don't qualify. So that's good Good to know there is a place you can, if you're questioning it. Okay, so my producer, the famous, the Drake, who's uh, in this morning helping me out with the show, has a question for you, which which I think is a good one. Yeah, Doc, my, my wife's an RN. When, when people, uh, you know, when she's talking to people about, you know, possible future uh, uh, fallout from, from having the virus, what the, the example she uses is uh, chicken pox. You know, it's something that, that uh, most of us have had as kids, at least, you know, people from my generation. I know they've, they're inoculating for it now. But that then later in life, it can turn into shingles, which in a lot of times can be, can be just as bad or worse. Um, and I think that that tends to kind of scare people. Is, is that something that's, uh, that's it's entirely possible? That's an excellent example of a way a virus can wreak havoc in our systems down the road. Uh, we don't know what this one's going to do. Another example that I, I think is also applicable is mono. Um, and this happens to act somewhat like mono. It's not the same virus. It's not the same protocol. But people sometimes have minimal symptoms. Some people are devastatingly sick for months and months and months with ongoing fatigue. And I think this virus is showing some of those traits where you may have a teenager who doesn't have any problems and another one who literally has, you know, bed-ridden um, symptoms for months um, from the virus. And then we're seeing some athletes who are developing this myocarditis um, post-exposure, and they may have been fairly mild. So you can't always correlate the degree of your initial infection with the 
response. Everybody's immune system reacts differently, and so we're, we're finding out that some people have a different response. And you've probably heard in the media how different blood types may respond differently to the virus. So you're absolutely right. A great example, viruses may give us an initial response and then a secondary long-term response we just don't know about. So, you know, here's the word that pops in my mind all the time when people talk to me about this. It's, it's, it's fear. It's, this is a scary situation. And this this virus exists. It's not a hoax. It's not fake. Um, people are dying from it. People are, are living through it as well. More, most people live through it and, and end up surviving. We don't know down the road, as you're saying, Neil, what the long-term effects are going to be. But if you're, if you're a parent and your son or daughter, you, you've got a, a son or daughter that wants to play sports and they're, they want to play, what do you suggest, you know, when we talked about a little before, but what do you suggest to that child? How do you go through the, the scenario with them about the pros and cons of this and how much should you tell them? I think you should definitely be open with them about the fact that we don't have all the answers and no one person knows everything and that we're doing the best we can, and that it may change. What we may t- what we tell you this week may be different next week, and we have to just go with that. And to follow the recommendations right now, which is excellent hand washing, wearing a mask, social distancing as best you can, uh, and it's not going to be perfect. Even when you do all those things, you may still get infected. This may not be the best analogy, but it's one that I've been using a lot. It's kind of like getting in a car. We know you can die in a car. Thousands of people, hundreds of thousands will die every year in the United States in car accidents. We still do it every day. We do the things to reduce our chance of dying. We follow the rules of the road. We wear our seatbelts. We pay attention when we're driving. We, we try not to text and drive. Even if you do all those things, you can still die in a car accident. doesn't mean that you, we should never drive a car. and It doesn't mean that we shouldn't get out of our house, but we should use precautions and be safe in that regard. And I think that, unfortunately, as this virus goes along, you get some fatigue and people start to lax the rules, just like with driving. Initially, nobody would ever pull their phone out to talk on the phone. Now people do it all the time. We get lax. We think, well, I did it 10 times. I'll be fine the next time. So we have to continuously remind our children and ourselves, I need to follow the rules. I need to do what's right. And I need to make sure that I'm not putting myself or others at risk. And so it's, it's easy to do. It's easy to get comfortable when you don't know anybody who's died, you don't know anybody who's been sick, and you think it's not going to bother me until it does. And so I just encourage you on a regular basis, remind yourself, hey, I've got to do the right things. I need to wear my mask. I need to wash my hands. I need to distance. And if I do those things, my chance of getting sick or hurting somebody else are less. Not zero, but less. You know, um, that, that's tremendous advice, Neil, tremendous advice. And, you know, you know, I've been on the radio now 29 years, the last 19 years here at Sports Radio 810 WH, but it'll be starting my 30th year at the beginning of January. And this show, as is every radio show, they're all about communicating and talking and listening. And as a, as a psychologist, my job is when people come in my office, we, we communicate. I listen to what they're, they're there for. We talk about things. We talk about stressors, we talk about anxieties, we talk about fears, and there's a tremendous amount of that going on today, more so than ever, you know, with, with the political unrest, with the violence, and this virus. And I think the most important thing that you just talked about there was communicating, listening and talking. And I think if, if you do that with your kids, with your teammates, with your peers, discuss this, listen, Talk about what everybody's afraid of, what they're scared of, and how to try to work through it. That's going to be the best way for us to get through this, sounds like. Yes, 
absolutely right. You know, and, and as team physician for a professional team, part of your job is to be a good communicator. I know you are. And that's why this Sporting KC, which has had some, te- some guys test positive, you guys have handled it great. And the, and the season's gone on, and it's going to continue going on because you're being flexible. You know, before we wrap up, on my desk, I have a figurine of Gumby um, and his horse, Pokey. Three years ago yesterday, I had prostate cancer, and on Halloween of all days, but survived it, and I'm doing fine. But a, a friend of mine gave me that, that figurine, says, flexibility, Dr. J, flexibility. That's what you got to be. And that's how I've gotten through it. And I think with this virus, we all need to be flexible. We all need to be like Gumby and be able to twist and turn depending on what's going on. And I think that's what you're saying. Exactly right. You have to know that what we know today may change. And we need to be smart. And and it's easy to be angry and frustrated with leaders when they make rules that you don't necessarily agree with. Um, but I think you can keep that internally, but don't express that to your children because I think that creates an environment where they think they don't need to follow the rules. And I think just trying your best to say, I understand this is frustrating. I know it's sad. I can't imagine these kids from these local high school football teams who at the last second of season ended. And it's tragic. It's sad. But it's still the right thing. And so communicating with them, I get it. It's devastating. I'm sorry that you have to deal with this. Uh, instead of blaming somebody who made the rule, just accepting this is what happened. And we're gonna, we, we were able to have some mud of a season in light of this horrific pandemic. And let's take that and appreciate that, but let's not um, dwell on the negative and what we didn't get, but what we were able to enjoy and what we did get. Well, Neil, thank you so much for being with me this morning. Great advice, great imp- impact for people. I know you're helping a lot of people in your practice. People want to reach you. How can they get a hold of you? Uh, at Kansas City Family Medical Care, uh, our office number is 816-941-9030. Dr. Neil Erickson, Sporting KC's doctor, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Great advice, and you stay well and take care. Thanks, Doc. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Our shows are rebroadcast around the country, and they're on Spotify, Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, the podcasts are. You can get a hold of me several ways. My office number is 816-561-5556. You can reach me there. Send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com. My shows are also on Twitter at, at drjsportspsych, and they're rebroadcast as podcasts here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. Stay well, stay safe, listen, talk, and communicate. That's what we heard today. Take care. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist, With 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Olivia. 
from Washington. Laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger, from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel, from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna from Louisiana. The storm just hit, and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by End Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council.